Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, September 20, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing that we need to know that we need to be upfront about is we're waiting on the Fed. We're waiting on Kabuki Theater that culminates tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, with the 2 p.m. announcement and then the Fed chairman's speech or press conference or fake press conference, whatever you want to call it, at around 2.30. So the markets will whip around. They'll pick a direction for the remainder of the day, and they'll go. But we have an interesting twist to review tonight. Remember, we're always looking at markets that other people aren't looking at, And by the way, not only are we looking at them, but at least we know what we're looking at. So I found something that I find very, very interesting. It goes to, let's just call it in the category of unfinished business. Before we get there, let's just pick apart the daily chart of the S&P for a moment. And let's just kind of lay out the beginning part of the scenario that we're going to be talking about. So right now... The market's hanging around underneath the neckline or trend line, and it's eating time off the clock. The intraday back and forth stuff really doesn't matter. What they're creating at present is a bearish, flaggish pattern. Now, here's the rub. They're going to move them after the Fed. One way or the other, they're moving them out of this pattern. Now, here's where it gets kind of interesting because it lays out one of the possible schematics. Enter the VIX chart. Now, what I see here on the VIX is very simply a bullish flaggish formation. Now, I've done some mathematics in terms of the VIX, and I believe that before the VIX reaches some kind of an interim price level above current price that would encompass a move lower in the stock market, they will get to around 31 at minimum. Let's call it a healthy spike of 31 at minimum. So what I'm saying is this. Let's say this scenario is correct. There's a lot of what-ifs, but just go with me on this. So let's say the VIX spikes around the Fed announcement, even if it's on a temporary basis. Let's say the VIX gets to 31 and change, a spike of 31. A, that's going to be overhead resistance. B, it's going to be a target where we're likely to get a reaction in the other direction. And if that's happening in the VIX, then what we would expect to be happening in the S&P and other markets is a move lower. So the question is, can they make a move lower, scare the bejesus out of everybody? That's the design of how these things work. It's sponsored by the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew. They obviously work at Trick and Company. So let's just say for argument's sake, let's say they spike the tape lower. There's an area, 377.91, that would be the official fill of this gap that was left open. The market would be coming back to A, fill the gap, and B, retest a former breakout area. And we know that to be true because... The market broke out when they created the gap higher open and never came back. So therefore, that would accomplish two things. 
And then, of course, they may not stop there. So on a spike of the gap, we're looking as low as 373.75. But somewhere in that zone, should they spike down there after the Fed, we could expect a snap back in the other direction. Maybe not necessarily on that day. However, then we have what we mentioned last night, which is the tinfoil hat event. That takes place on Thursday evening. That could signify a change in trend. They can also kill the tape. So there's other sides to this equation. This is one schematic. The other thing, and the reason I say this immediately following this schematic is, we're in one of those scenarios where there can be a vacuum to the downside. I'm not suggesting the market has to stop at these prices. What I am suggesting is coinciding with what I found in the VIX, where they should get to the target and that target should produce a reaction in the other direction. I believe that coincides with this zone in the S&P. Write this down, put it on a sticky note. A lot of work went into that. Now, a couple of the other scenarios that hold true after the Fed kabuki theater type stuff, they're going to whip the market around. Maybe they spike it all the way to run a test of the trend line. Anything goes, anything is possible. We've seen all scenarios play out before on these kabuki type events. Tomorrow, that trend line will be right around 393. It's about 90 S&P handles from where we are at close today. That can happen. We've all seen that before. Here's the other thing we're watching. Probably the least likely scenario. Let's say they don't do anything and they hang around right where they are in this bearish formation down here for another two or three days to finish out the week. It's going to look like the bearish flaggish pattern is continuing to form. However, what we'll say at the time, and I'm projecting forward a little bit and a lot at the same time, what we'll say at the time is, hey, they had every opportunity to kill the tape and they didn't. They stuck right there. That's going to actually be a bullish type of thing going on. All these different scenarios hold true. We don't know which one's going to happen. And frankly, we really don't know which one is going to happen. That's why taking a position in front of the Fed is really just a guess. It's a gamble. If you're right, you feel like you're right. You said, oh, see, because of this, that, and the other thing, I did this, and it worked out, therefore I was right. But in the end, you still got lucky, and that's why if you're treating this as a business, you cannot really take a new position leading up into the Fed. If you have a position already, you can let it play out accordingly, but you can't establish a new position and call it a business move. That's a gambling move about some early thoughts from inside the numbers. This is interesting stuff, what happened overnight between Monday and Tuesday. So today's turnaround Tuesday, which means we were expecting the market to be down, which it was. And what we want to point out here is what happened overnight in terms of the trend line. So here's a picture that I posted of the hourly futures chart. This is our trend line, the one we showed last night on the futures chart, the one they back-tested yesterday. Well, guess what? They did it again overnight and they were summarily rejected away from that trend line. So again, it reinforces the importance of that trend line. We had a lot of back and forth today. We're waiting on the Fed, all that stuff. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double check the work. I'm going to point out 
several important items that were usable information stuff during the trading day. For example, before the opening bell at 921, we're saying kind of like yesterday, but for a different reason and maybe about a dime higher, 384.40 is our early pivot. We think better in pictures. Here's a five minute chart. Right of the vertical is today's activity and you can see the importance once below 384.40, The market is in a bearish formation. Even if it's down, it's more bearish. It's a pivot, which means the bears are more in control below the pivot than they are above the pivot. Above the pivot, or any pivot for that matter, the bulls can take charge and try and bounce the tape. And this is exactly what we saw. You can see it early in the day here. They're below the pivot. Once they get above the pivot, they stay above the pivot. Once they get back below, a little bit of a retest or backtest here, they fall away. What do they do by the end of the day? They rally back to recapture the pivot. That's why we identify the pivot. We know that it tells us whether we're bearish intraday or more bullish intraday looking for a sell or a bounce. That's the way we use the pivot. Write that down, put it on a sticky note. Meaning, and remember, this is 921. If they start getting below the pivot, it's going to open the door for yesterday's lows around 382. Back to the pictures and how you doing 382. And then you'll see later on, we called for a spike of 382. So they didn't do it early. That would have been a really nice tradable opportunity. They came up short only to be back later in the day. That falls into the category of the manner in which. Read the notes, go back to the charts to double check the work. I want to point out something else that occurred right around that 10 p.m. post. Below the pivot, the door is open for more selling. If they're visiting yesterday's lows just above 382, beware of the spike below and rip back up in the other direction. How much of a spike? Up to a dollar or so awareness. Back to the pictures. There's your spike. The low was 381.20, up to a dollar or so. And then you had the proverbial rip back up in the other direction. This one also falls into the category of not my first rodeo. And we talk about that one all the time. Spike the low, suck in the shorts, rip it back up in the other direction. You can take advantage of these things if you have the awareness and you have solid price levels and other reasons why that create these type of full stack situations. Read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. You're gonna see the numbers posted, a lot of back and forth type of activity, but the main thing that we were looking today was that spike below 382 and the rip back up in the other direction. Not to say there's not a lot of stuff in here, there's a ton of stuff in here today. For example, if I scroll back a little bit, right before noontime, 386.10 is another area which can be magnetic and overhead resistance. Back to the pictures, now the top line is that exact number, 386.10. What's the high of day? 386.12. How you doing? You like apples? It pays to know your numbers. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double check the work. This is information that you can take advantage of during the trading day, each and every day. And by 224, that's the spike of 382 and the snapback we've been looking for all day. About stocks on the move. We only had three opportunities on the board this morning. It was rather quiet in terms of the stocks on the move opportunities, but we will take a look at PayPal and also General Motors. First up, PayPal. 
entry number one, 91.19, they spike it by a little bit, rip it back up in the other direction, the rest is history, the numbers work, nice trade. General Motors played around with the first level, they never really gave you the full deal on the first price, they went down to the second, went back toward the first, so it was kind of a dud, they really didn't give any kind of significant profit opportunity, but they did let you out with a break even if you wanted it, and the reason I bring that up is because I know that's how Jordan described it and managed it accordingly in the room when the trade didn't exactly do what we wanted it to do. So not only is it important to have the numbers under your belt or in your toolbox, but it's also important to know how to manage a trade when it doesn't do what you exactly expected to do. How do you manage accordingly as the day goes on? What happens when time starts running out of the clock? You have to adjust your expectations, therefore adjust your strategy within the trade. These are all the things that are taught in the live room each and every day. You know, I have to say this only because it's true. Most traders have short-sightedness. In other words, they're looking for the quick hit, the instant gratification, and we all understand how that works and why and all that stuff. But what we tend not to realize as traders is each and every day when we learn something, we're not going to forget that thing. We're going to compound the learning day after day after day, and that's how experience builds. That's how you gain experience. That's how you become a good trader. That's how good traders become great traders, because you have the benefit of the experience and the knowledge of what not to do, how to manage through situations. You remember things that didn't work. You stay away from heavy risk type of situations. You realize how to treat it as a business, but part of that, in fact, a huge portion of that is the foundation of how we learn and the fact that we compound our learning over time. That's why we have the three-pillar approach here. These videos each and every night are like the continuing education. They're the updates. We learn something in here each and every night. The lazy e-mini trader course is the foundation of how markets work. We have to take that before we get the continuing education in here, and it builds and builds and builds. And then the PhD portion is the inside the numbers, the lazy swing trader, the inside the numbers live. This is how we really hone our skills on a regular basis and put the stuff to work, use it to our advantage to be profitable. That's the whole concept. How do you like Dem Apples? What's going on over in Camp IWM? It's the same conversation that we had in the SPY. The only difference with the IWM is where they are in relation to the trend line that was broken. If they recapture it, same routine. What happens is the pattern that we're talking about, the head and shoulders pattern, this goes for the S&P 500, it goes for any head and shoulders pattern. If they recapture this trend line and close back above, it negates the pattern. And to answer the question, that does not mean the market can't go down afterwards. We're just not talking about the head and shoulders pattern, and we're not using those measurements out of the head and shoulders pattern anymore. Not to say it will or won't work. We just take the pattern, we put it off the table, and we talk about things that are relevant at the time. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Same routine, same bearish pattern, a basic give back of yesterday's nice rally day. So they're just going back and forth, eating time off the clock, fighting these lows. This is the weekly chart. 
You give up these lows and that 200 period moving average is no good anymore. Why is that? Because you've already come close, bounced away, you're hovering. It's no good anymore. It's not a bona fide support area. 11,650 would be a better support area under the 200 period moving average. I would put that on a sticky note. What about the Q people? Same routine. They're going sideways, waiting on the Fed. There's really nothing else we can say to each and every market before the Fed announcement because anything goes. It's kabuki theater. You're going to get a rip higher or you're going to get a flush lower. Same routine with the XLF, the financials. And by the way, I must make mention of this. Speaking of which way are they going to go, I have to say the email indicator, and in more ways than one, it's not just my email indicator, but it's the emails I'm receiving as advertisements from people selling stuff. The big newsletter guys, the big marketers, the ones that are selling everything under the sun from crypto to crashes to gold to everything you could think of. They are selling the crash hard. We're getting it from the email indicator, the blogs, the vlogs, the advertisements when you watch a YouTube video. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You're getting the crash hitting you. The boat is taken on water. I made that tweet early this morning. What that means is that everybody's in on one side of the boat. It's taken on water. When everybody's on one side of the boat, it has a tendency, if it's not going to tip over, and that's the rubber band theory, the rubber band can break, and that's the flush lower. But if that's not going to happen, the alternate is they snap back, and we get a series of pies in the face for all those traders looking for that crash. They're loaded up in the shorts. They have to cover. Buying begets buying. The squeeze operation begins, and we know how that works. Again, we don't know which one's going to happen, but we must have the awareness of both sides. We are the umpire calling balls and strikes. Smash mouth, hovering, going sideways, same routine, same conversation. We don't need to beat the dead horse or belabor the point. We're going to get movement after Kabuki. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.